0: Well, the world has should gone nutty, buddy, buddy. Even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still Buddy Cast. Now don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on Buddy Cast. Second, my videos do not want to play today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host. Right, hey, apologies for that. My videos don't want to play today, apparently. But hey, we, welcome. we know who the
1: founder and host is here, though. The Nick Exactly. Sorenson. Yep.
0: Yep. Welcome to another episode of everybody's favorite show, Buddy Cast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very special buddy. My
1: buddy, Jonathan, how you doing today, buddy? Good, man. We've been planning this for like half a year, it seems. So I'm finally glad to be on here. At least half a year, you yeah. know.
0: But I'm glad we finally do it because it's worth the wait. It truly I, is. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, Jonathan is a local teacher. He's a fantastic writer and all around just good buddy. So that brings up my first question. What
1: inspired you to go into education? Uh, You know, I actually don't have a, a distinct memory of the point that I'm like, I'm going to become a teacher. Um, I know my, my brother was doing it at the time. He's four years older than me, and he was he had just gotten a job down in North Carolina. So I was kind of seeing it from his perspective. But I was a senior in high school. And like I like a lot of seniors had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do everything. Like everything sounded interesting to me. So like I applied to. A uh, film school out in Los Angeles because I, you know, always like to write and, you know, we used to like make movies on camcorders and stuff. I uh, thought about going into the army and flirted with the ROTC for a while. Um, I thought about like becoming a pilot and I applied to Embry Riddle for aeronautical science and applied to English programs. And eventually I didn't even start an education. I was a double major in criminology and sociology. That was my first major and I loved it. But I guess after like a year of studying it, um, you know, I was kind of like looking at prospective job paths and stuff like that. And, you know, (laughs) pivoted and decided, okay, I'm going to try something else. Um, And I ended up settling on education. And I, I almost chose English, but I probably chose history because for somebody that's interested in like everything, history is great. Like I can study whatever I want, any topic I want in any, any point in history. And I guess that was the, the allure of it. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah, I, it's, it was a weird path to end up here. I I never thought I would be a teacher. Like as a teenager, it never crossed my mind. And then um, here I am. No regrets.
0: Brilliant. What are some of your favorite um, things in history to study or to cover, like to teach?
1: So I'm I'm pretty fortunate. I have like my dream position. Um, my curriculum starts in basically World War II um, mm-hmm. and it's U.S. history. So it's from the perspective of, uh, you know, us here. And then I work all the way up until as far as I get. So I generally get to modern day. You know, we cover um, everything from the civil rights movement to the, the turbulent 1960s and Vietnam and, and, the hippies, the Cold War, all through the 80s, uh, the rise of Reagan. Um, Then we get to the history that I lived through, which was weird at first, like covering Bill Clinton, and the impeachment and stuff that I remembered. And then we get all the way up through 9-11, Afghanistan, you know, the the rise of the internet, we cover um, even the history of social media, and like the origins of Facebook and MySpace and all that. So um, it's literally, it's a, it's a dream job. And it's the history that kids really like, too. They really they really engage with that time, you know, those periods of history.
0: Nice. Nice. Now, every teacher, you know, usually has a story about, like, one teacher or so that left a lasting impact on them. You know, even me. I'm not a teacher, but, you know, I can name some teachers off my hand that I still thank today for just being who they are. Are there any teachers you've had in the past that you still thank to this day?
1: I... I think back to my time at Cambridge Springs, which is where I grew up, and I was really lucky. Um, you know, like like we used to joke that they were the dinosaurs; they were kind of like the old school teachers, uh, but they mm-hmm. were all they were all fantastic. My every teacher I had from kindergarten to fifth grade was extremely nurturing, which is something I think that I definitely needed and responded to. Um, um, you know, my second grade teacher, Miss Folk, she, she was like legendary she was a brand new teacher and she was just like just so wonderful um then i get to high school and i had just great history teachers i had you know a teacher named mr workmeister in eighth grade and mr cleffel in ninth grade and they really really turned me on to history um we still talk about them like in our text conversations those teachers will come up and you know the lessons they taught and i had great english teachers so Mr. Molnar and then I had Mrs. Hoffman and they they really instilled in me the love of like classic literature like things that a lot of people would find boring like John Steinbeck um Les Mis Count of Monte Cristo Shakespeare they really really turned me on to that and yeah I was just really lucky 95 percent of my teachers I I loved and I liked going to school which I guess that's that's a good thing if they the teachers convince you to want to go to school
0: exactly Definitely. And I love how it was different subjects. It wasn't just all history down the line, you know, Yeah, because you mentioned literature because I'm assuming that's what brought you to writing. That's what brought you to writing for the eerie reader. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. Well, I think writing is something I was always just, I, I mean, since I was a little kid and I could write, I was always writing stories and most of the stuff I wrote in elementary school was like stealing ideas from pop culture. So like my, my famous character from when I was a kid was named Tex. And he was this character, he wore, like, a cowboy hat. And uh-huh. Like, Clint Eastwood. He had claws, like, Wolverine. And he had that, uh, if you remember Super Mario Brothers 3, the raccoon uh-huh.
0: suit. He had, for yes. some reason,
1: he had the raccoon ears and tail. Like, that was my character. And then I would move on, like, to write stories. I wrote a story where I was, like, a LAPD police officer, which was basically my fourth grade ripoff of Die Hard. And then I wrote, like... <laughs> sci-fi alien stories, um, that were just ripoffs of the alien (laughs) movies. Um, but I, yeah, I've never stopped writing. I wrote all through my teenage years, through my twenties, mostly just privately. I didn't usually write for people or anything. I was too, I think, self-conscious and nervous. Um, and actually right, not long before I got the Eerie Reader gig, I had been writing a book, I never reached out Ooh. to an agent or anything. Like it was just something I was doing for myself and maybe eventually I'd do something with it. Um, and then I had a, <laughs> I don't know. Cause I'm dumb. Apparently I was writing it all on a USB drive. I didn't back mm. it up whatsoever. Um, I guess. Cause I was just leaving my computer in one spot. I didn't think anything would ever happen to it. Well, one day I was moving my laptop cause we were having guests over and I hit the usb drive off the side of the wall and broke it in half and i had oh, i had fifty thousand words so that would be like roughly the first harry potter's book that's what i had written so um i contacted this like fbi specialist that did like forensic stuff with that and i he actually let me send it to him for free didn't charge me anything and he was basically like yeah there's no recovery in this um but I'm glad. I actually don't regret it because I was like 27. It probably was terrible. So
0: mm-hmm. um you think you'd ever resignate that book? Like you would ever like reconstruct it or to the best I of your thought about it for years.
1: years. You know, I'm 35 now and I'm such a different person at 35 than I was at 27. Um I don't that's not a story I want to tell anymore. So it was kind of a gift that I broke because I still got the experience of actually writing it. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, writing, writing is like batting practice. The more you do it, the better you get. So I still Mm -hmm. got that experience. And at the time I was like sick to my stomach. My wife will tell you like for three days, I thought I was going to puke because I, because I lost all that, um, Uh, turned out to be a gift in disguise. And, you know, eventually shortly after that, I, I got the reader, um, which is a story Mm -hmm. itself, but that's my next question. How did you find the opportunity with the eerie reader um, so I, I think I've told this story before, but I was teaching U.S. history, and in my school district, um, a, previous, a previous administrator had wanted to reconfigure the curriculum, and they eliminated my position at the time. Um, they eliminated the U.S. history class, so there was no, there was no U.S. history in our, in our high school anymore at that time um fortunately I had a backup yeah I know um I had a backup certification in middle school mathematics I'd kind of like hidden it I didn't really want people to know because I didn't want to teach middle school math Um, but it fortunately saved me because when my position was cut I was able to bump into a middle school math position which I was always okay at math but teaching it I, I mean it was you know my wife is a math teacher and she loves it and she's great at it um but for me it was just like I I it was just almost, it was soul sucking. Every day I, I was really depressed about going to work and I didn't enjoy it anymore. Um, so I created Rust and Dirt, the history, the local history project. And I was kind of doing that to keep that other side of my brain. Cause Matthews is like one part of the brain and, you know, writing and researching uses that other part. Um, mm-hmm. so I created that Rust and Dirt to kind of keep that part of my brain sharp and to like keep me from spiraling into a, a deep, sad depression about, having to teach math. And that's when Nick Warren of the Eerie Reader reached out to me about a month after doing that. And I basically owe everything to to Nick for sure. Cause he was like, hey, I saw the rust and dirt thing. That's cool. Do you wanna write something for us? And that's when I wrote uh, my first story for them that was on the King of the Hobos, Leon Ray Livingston. And the rest is history. Um, The owners, Adam and Brian, basically are totally open to letting me write anything at all that I want. Um, I got Nick and and Matt who do the editing and they come up with most of the really cool titles that I can never think of because I'm terrible at that. Um, You know, Jessica does a lot of the the photography for the articles to make it really pop. And they're awesome. I mean, they've never said no to any idea that I've had to write. And I write some weird (laughs) stuff. Mostly history, um, but as you know, I dabble too. I I do some, like I recently wrote about the the local comedy scene. Um, I've written about mm-hmm. labor strikes at like Wabtec and, and other places up here. Um, so yeah, they, they're just really supportive and totally okay with letting me flex my creative muscles.
0: Nice. You've got some fans watching for sure. Hey, thank you. That- Facebook user? Yep. Yep. I think that's our buddy Alex Messenger. Oh, cool. Thanks, Alex. So um, you mentioned something earlier, the rust and dirt. That's also, you've turned that into a little bit of like a
1: show or like an online thing. Could you tell us more about that? I don't really know what it is. Like when people ask me, (laughs) I don't really have a great description of it. Um, My master's is in history and I spent a lot of time um, researching historiography and public history. So I guess I kind of envisioned Rust and Dirt as a public history project. It's something that's like forward facing to the public. You know, a lot of history can be really academic and people, you know, are turned off by that. So I wanted something that would be local history that would be really simple. It would come in like little snippets, you know, a post a day, maybe every couple of days sometimes I get carried away and do multiple posts a day. But sometimes like really just kind of simple little snippets of history, bite sized, that would be easy for people to, um, you know, take in. And the goal is just besides creatively for myself, the goal was just to get people thinking about our local history and realize that it's, it's cool. It's more than just, you know, Oliver Hazard Perry, um, and Mm -hmm. the War of 1812. There's like, so much cool history and i've spent five years i think doing rust and dirt now yeah this is this is my fifth year and i feel like probably well, s- s- i have probably only maybe have scraped five percent of the surface of cool local history that could be explored so yeah that was the idea behind it
0: beautiful so what are your i've mentioned this earlier but like you know on top of favorite lessons to teach what are some of your favorite things to write about when it comes to history Favorite areas to dive into to learn more about
1: I guess that's the great thing and kind of how my my brain works is I I like it all <laughs> so if you've if you have followed my Erie Reader history stories um you know I, I've spent a lot of time in most eras you know uh, I've spent a lot of time on what it was like in Erie you know when settlers first came here and pushed the the you know, the different Native American tribes that were here out. I've written a lot about the 1800s, you know, John Brown, who was living in, who lived in Crawford County before his um, becoming, you know, the famous abolitionist at Harper's Ferry. Um, I've written a lot about the 1900s, um, you know, how polio devastated our area, the Spanish flu, um, the eugenics movement. So I, I don't really have a set period that I like. I just, I, I just really like learning about it all. And that's my favorite part about writing it is I'm trying, I'm trying to unpack or discover things that have kind of been, if not forgotten, kind of like off in the corners. And I get to kind of pull that out of the the dark corners and learn about it myself, which that really like, it's it's weird, but it's kind of like a, a an adrenaline rush when you're like, I might be the first person who have, who've, who's read this newspaper article in a hundred years, um, and then it's fun to try to tie it all together into a coherent story, into um, mm-hmm. like I try to make it into a narrative that can be easy for for people to read and is a little more entertaining and less dry. Beautiful. What about local history? What about
0: history of Erie? What are some of your favorite areas to dive into for that?
1: Oh man, that's hard. <laughs> um, most people know that I've got—I I've definitely got a, a deep interest in John Brown. I'm actually wearing a shirt with John Brown on it right now. <laughs> nice. And I, I'm just fascinated. By this guy who was living in Crawford County, right outside of Cambridge Springs. He spent his formative early years as a dad there. Um, he was a family man. And he goes through all this devastating tragedy of um, losing his wife and losing multiple children to sickness. Um, and then eventually he turns into this person who history still is kind of divided on. You know, some people view him as this like, crazy guy who you know thought god was speaking to him and tried to end slavery violently and then other people view him as a guy who was uh this this righteous liberator who saw that people were enslaved saw that it was wrong and was willing to do whatever it took to to stop it so i like i mean i could pick out multiple people from our area but john brown's the one that most people who know me i've I've spent a lot of time reading about and thinking about and someday maybe i'll there's never been a book written, or there's been one book. I'm sorry, there's been one book written about his time in Pennsylvania. Um, it's a great, great book, but it's it's pretty short. And maybe someday I'll I'll write something a little more expansive about those ten years he spent here. But we'll see.
0: Brilliant. Now I want to go back to the Erie Reader for a quick second. Um, one of the one of my favorite parts of the Erie Reader is how they really promote local people and a lot of local things like businesses, podcasts, all that. One segment that just came out was the, it was the 40 under 40. Um, what's it like writing that segment for you? Like, what's it like featuring all the people with the information that you're given?
1: So, uh, I, I don't get, I'm not a part of the selection process, but I do get to, mm-hmm. I do get to write, I generally write five of them, you know, they're split among. Mm-hmm the many contributing writers. Um, as you know, I got to write yours, which was really cool. Um, Oh man. Yeah. You, you easily deserve that one. It was like, I've told you, you, you make it easy to write about you. Um, but I love, yeah, I love that it highlights just people doing really interesting things and it gives people, you know, it gives people a platform where they can highlight the cool things that they're doing around the city. Um, i i enjoy learning about those people and um you know a lot of the time like after i write it now we already know each other but you know people will reach out to me after i've written about them and and thank me and friend me on facebook and we'll get to know each other a little bit more so that's always pretty cool but yeah anything anything that highlights what people are doing positively i think is fantastic and i love that it's over the years it's become a lot more diverse um, I love that it's you know, highlighting everything from business owners to to teachers, to nurses and and everything in between. and i, I do sometimes get said if people feel excluded from it. I wish it could be the one thousand under forty, so everybody that <laughs> does awesome things could get highlighted. but um, even that aside, it's good just to bring attention to people that are doing really cool things like you know you with. Buddycast and everything you're doing. Thank you,
0: mm-hmm. thank you. Now I know you're a fan of Buddycast. I know you're one of our um, you're one of our disciples. You're one of our
1: followers. You know, but what other podcast do you like to follow in the eerie area? Well, first of all, man, like let me just say nobody gets better guests than Buddycast. No, I'm not talking about me, but like, dude, I know we've privately talked about this, but it's incredible the guests that you get on here. <laughs> And I love your, I just love your attitude and you deserve all the accolades possible. Um, but the other ones, you know, I, I love the Idiotville Empire. I love what they've, they've those, like,
0: those guys are awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, they started from, I think it was Dill's Basement or something like that. And I remember listening to those <laughs> early episodes and, you know, they were, they were hard to hear at the time because they were, you know, they were just making it up as they went. And now they've built this into this like cool little empire where they highlight cool and interesting people. Um, mm mm-hmm. I know Nick uh Warren and Chris uh, a professor I think he's a professor over at Edinburgh they started a cool new one called flagship stories that also is highlighting local people um John Lyons the local filmmaker he's got a couple cool podcasts cinema activist and film grain which is about like movies and stuff um our area of course is great if you've never listened to our area that's with, um Lydia and Marty um they're two pretty well-known people in our area and they talk about local issues and politics and cool stuff like that um oh I know I'm gonna leave some people out but yeah lots of good ones here no hugging no learning is a good one if you like Seinfeld uh Uh they've literally gone through episode by episode of every single Seinfeld episode one of the people is a younger He's like ten years younger than me, maybe, and he had never seen a single mm-hmm. episode of Seinfeld. And the other guy was like my age or a couple years older, and he watched them all when they aired. So it was kind of cool mm-hmm. listening to them talk about each episode. And um, mm-hmm. and there's so I many. I think you're
0: talking about. I think you're talking about Ted and um, uh, Murphy from uh, yep. both old film uh, Star One Hundred Four.
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh, they're great. Um, they both used to work for Star, and I, they're both at different places now. But they, yes, sadly, they're um. They're just so entertaining. And they started that yeah. while well, Ted, Ted was living here in Erie. So,
0: mm-hmm. And they were both fantastic work for, I did my internship with Connoisseur. Now iHeart media and oh, cool! it was a blast just working yeah. with everyone, working with, you know, my buddy, Alan Carpenter, you know, for oh, example, yeah. who I awesome. still keep in touch with today. Yeah. You know, he was a, he was one of the first, he was someone who helped pilot this thing, you know, I remember. Yeah. So, he's got that golden voice, so he, man. He does. He's, He was made for radio. Let's just say that. So a little shout out to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, one more time, going back to the Eerie Reader, when it comes to like your hopes and dreams for the reader,
1: what do you have to say on that? Like what are your hopes and dreams for the Eerie Reader? So I'm not really involved in the behind the scenes stuff, but like my, my hope would be that they just continue to provide, you know, diverse voices and perspectives for the city. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if people realize this, but I, I, I think most followers of the eerie reader do they're they're an alt weekly. So they're not meant to compete with, you know, Erie eerie times news or Erie news now or anything like that. They're meant to complement it. So, um, mm-hmm. they all kind of work in tandem to, to provide news, journalism, opinions, highlighting things that are going around. And I just, yeah, I just hope they continue down the path. Um, I like that they're producing that podcast now. I hope they someday bring back Nick's Nick once did a, um, like a talk show that was live streamed and had mm. I feel like it's been a while, but I think i had like a green screen and all that stuff. It was great. I loved it. Um and yeah, just keep keep providing yeah. different diverse perspectives and voices. I think last I looked, writers, it was about 50% um men and 50% women. So that's good to see that that's reflected. And I just hope we get you know more diverse voices, maybe some voices from our refugee and immigrant communities. And yeah, just people keep telling cool stories about our area. Brilliant! Before I ask you our final
0: two questions, I'm just gonna say a quick word from our sponsors. This buddy cast is brought to you by Harbor Ridge Golf Course. If you're in the area looking to play a quick nine, sharpen your skills on the putting green or driving range, or looking to play playing golf while having some quality time with buddies, head over to Harbor Ridge at 3730 Harbor Ridge Trail. When you're finished. Head over to the. Got to love technical issues, don't you? you know? <laughs> Always. Uh, this buddy, this basically
1: this buddy cast is brought to you by Harbor Ridge Golf Course. Do you golf at all by chance, buddy? Oh, man. No, you don't want to go golfing with me. All my friends like golf. I'm like, nah. I'll sit this one out. Um, I, I'm just Ooh. terrible. <laughs> I can putt.
0: Well, That's about it. Yeah. I always say if the object of the game was to get the ball into the hole with as many strokes as humanly possible, you'd be looking at the PGA tour champion, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I could, I could compete with you there. Yeah. (laughs) I will say with, uh, to promote Harbor Ridge, since my videos aren't playing well, I'll have to reach out to Streamyard about that. Um, Harbor Ridge is a great golf course for all my listeners out there. A great place to just play a nine holes of golf. And when you're done, They have a beautiful deck. You can grab a drink on or grab a nice meal. It's got a gorgeous view of Lake Erie. They have live music at Mm -hmm. nights and they always incorporate some interesting things like glow golf or fling golf, you know, which I've never heard of before, but they found ways. So contact them today. Harbor Ridge golf course.
1: And if anybody wants to invite me, I'll go with you there and I will go sit on that deck and wait for you. While I enjoy a good drink and food. Mm-hmm. And what I love about them, too, is that it's all
0: local. It's all local or nearby bands. There's no, like, okay, let's see if we can get, like, Casey and the Sunshine Band back together or something like that. Or let's see if, you know, um, this guy from Memphis, you know, wants to come by. It's always like, hey, what's, what's our buddy Tommy Link up to, who actually wrote our theme song and created our theme song? You know, it's like, what's Matt Boland up to? What's... Uh, all these people up to like, what's the band East Avenue up to today? Let's get them in here. So they awesome. like to keep it local. Mm-hmm. That's best. Now, yep. Now, buddy, my buddy Jonas came from hashtag positivity wants to know in your own words, was it mean to be someone's buddy?
1: Yeah. So, you know, to be somebody's buddy, I think you should always focus on being positive, being genuine with them. Um, a a buddy, somebody who you build that person up and you don't tear them down. Um, that's really what being a buddy is all about to me. Um, and you know, my wife is my best buddy and I always try, you know, we're, we're not perfect. And sometimes we, you know, snap at each other and things like that happen, but we're always just, we try to just lift each other up and compliment each other and be honest and be positive and acknowledge each other's successes and. That's what being a buddy's all about. Brilliant. You're
0: right. Buddies aren't always perfect. Buddies aren't always, you know, everything's happy-go-lucky. Even your best buddy, even your wife, you know. I can attest with my fiance. Sometimes things aren't perfect. You know, we have our, you know, she says one thing, I say another, you know. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But at the end of the day, we're still each other's buddy. We're still there for each other no matter what. Yep. So you're absolutely right. And the final question I have for you today, buddy, is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question, which is also sponsored by Harvard's golf course. They want to know what is your advice to anybody who wants to go into education one day? Okay. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot that I could say about that. Um, But I'll, I'll come from my perspective. I'm I'm definitely a natural introvert. Um, I guess you could, I guess you could call me a, an introvert who's not really shy, but my advice would just be to get in front of people as much as possible, because, you know, you can learn all the, you know, educational lingo and all the educational theory. You can learn about data analysis and all that stuff. Um, and a lot of that stuff, you know, you just learn as the years go on, but the, probably the most challenging part of teaching is, you know, you're in front of kids all day, every work day, and you're, you have to be on. You always have to be on. Um, and that can be really challenging and it can be really, really draining. Um, so, even when you have a good day, you can get home and you're just so drained because you spent that seven and a half hours on with kids. So, I would just say get in front of people as much as possible. So, if you're going to college for it, you know, go find the uh, improv group on campus and. Do some improv. Uh, Go to, if you're living here in Erie, go do some of the open mic nights. You will be terrified out of your mind. But yeah, but that's great because you're going to get embarrassed in front of students and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to slip up or your zipper is going to be down one day. And the sooner you can get past that sort of like embarrassment, like my students know now, nothing can possibly embarrass me in front of them. Um, But that took years. I mean, it took, I'm in year 13. In this position. Honestly, um, wow. I mean, it took me probably seven or eight years before I got that real comfort level in front of them. And that doesn't mean I wasn't good before. Like, I feel like I was pretty good, but now I feel like completely at ease and comfortable. Um, and I wish I had done more things in college that would got me in front of people. You know, go do karaoke and embarrass yourself. Uh, you know, join the local play, like play if you can, even if it's just like a couple lines. Um, If there's a public speaking class at your college, oh my gosh, take it. I don't think I took a single public speaking class. And I'm like, that's perfect for a teacher. Um, Ultimately, teaching is part performance art. I think people forget that part of teaching. But it really is a performance that you're putting on. Because you've got to keep these, in my case, 100 ninth through 12th graders entertained and engaged every day, in that there is a performative part to that for sure. So all the educational stuff, all the theory, all the curriculum, you can learn all of that and you can do all that on your own, but the getting in front of them and getting comfortable, that's that's key. So that, that would be my biggest recommendation is just get in front of people, let yourself be embarrassed, trudge forward.
0: Brilliant, and you're absolutely right. It's all about just getting the experience, getting the public speaking, because that's what teaching is public speaking with lessons, you know, it's not all just, here's a, you know, here's some words on the board test on Tuesday, right. something like that. It's how am I going to communicate with these students to make sure they understand what I'm talking about, what I'm trying to explain to them.
1: Yeah. And even if you're in a small group, so you break kids up and you're in tables in small groups, as you sit down with one of those small groups, you're doing the same thing. You may be sitting at a chair at a table with them, but you know, you're still, you know, you're still the captain of the ship there and you got to make sure that they they're on board with you and they're not, you know, (laughs) trying to bail. I love it. And one more question
0: for you. What's your advice to anyone who wants to be a writer? Two things.
1: Read. Reading is practicing for writing. Um, read as much as possible. Read lots of different kinds of things. Um, Read memoirs, read fiction, read nonfiction, read magazines. Um, do more than just reading you know, Facebook posts and tweets. That's reading too, and that's not bad. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you want to read things that have deliberate structure and, and try to pay attention to the styles. Pay attention to what, the, what are the writers doing? Why, when that chapter ends, are you so excited to get to the next chapter? There's something they did there that made you want to read that next chapter and start thinking about that. And then the second thing, and it's kind of obvious, write. Write every day. Um, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's for nobody's eyes but your own, um, write. And then for me, I think the even more important part is go back and edit that writing. Put it aside for a while, wait a week, wait a month, wait even longer, go back and you're going to see all the flaws in that that you didn't notice the first time. And you can go through and you can edit it and again, even if it's just for yourself, that's great practice for whenever you um, try to take the leap into getting published. And when you do get published, it's going to freak you out. Um, my first few eerie reader articles, it I was a ball of anxiety knowing that people were actually reading it. Um, you know, there's probably some imposter syndrome and stuff there, but it was freaking me out. And I noticed things that I would have changed. Um, things that I wasn't really happy with in the final product that I had missed, but then you're just like, Hey, it's out there in the world now and um, let people enjoy it. So yeah, pretty simple. Read, write. Brilliant.
0: And you know, another buddy of mine gave me some great advice for writing too, which was when you wake up in the morning, have a notebook by your side and just write. It doesn't have to be like constructive writing. Like it doesn't have to be like everything makes sense or, you know, like you're writing on certain stuff. Just write whatever on your mind.
1: Yeah, there's just a great a tactic. yeah. Uh, there's a tactic called the um, shoebox method, which I like, but I don't do it as an actual shoebox. But the idea is, like, if an idea pops in your head, you've got Post-it notes or something somewhere near you. Keep them in your pocket. Write it down on the Post-it note, fold it up, put it in the shoebox, and then that eventually that shoebox will just be full of different ideas that you had. I kind of do the mm-hmm. digital version of that. Mine is all just you know notes on my on my phone um yep which i probably like yeah a hundred of those that
0: and the beauty of that thing too of what my buddy was saying is that if you do that it gets the clogs moving it gets the mind ready so you're more attentive to your day which for example with comedy writing you know 90 percent of my comedy stuff comes from interactions during my day comes from you know just what happens during the day what happens during this time here's a funny story you know uh I went to this restaurant and, you know, you get the little kid who's always curious about some, you know, about someone that's different, you know, how can I turn this into something funny? How can I turn, no. you know?
1: And don't so rely on your memory. Painting. Don't rely on your memory. There's so many times that I'm like, I will remember this later. And then I'll be home and I'll be exactly. like, I know I was supposed to remember something, but I have no idea what I was supposed to remember. So yeah, get, exactly. get it down.
0: Yep. The amount of times I've come up with a joke, like, that would be so funny. I think I could work something with this, I was, like in the middle of work or something. All right, I'll just, I got to finish this thing and then I'll do it. I'll literally come home from work. What was that joke again? You know, something yep. to do with this. Yeah, I'll remember it tomorrow or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it always, it always so. seems to fail you when you plan that way. Exactly.
0: Well, buddy, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. Thanks for Finally stopping on, taking the time to chat with us. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for both the wonderful article on 40 Under 40 and for the wonderful piece that you wrote about BuddyCast. I'm so honored to have a fan like you, someone in my corner, putting me on paper, you know? It means a lot. So thank you. Thank you you. for
1: having me and keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see this continue to grow. And um, yeah, I'm excited every time I see a new episode pop up.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Jonathan Burdick. Please check out his work in the Eerie Reader. You know, check out his writing. You won't regret it. And buddy, you know how I'm going to end this episode. I got one favor to
1: ask you. Go be somebody's buddy. You got
0: it. (laughs) You got it. Hey, we'll catch you all next time here on BuddyCast if this outro video works. Well, the days are going fast, buddy, buddy. We've got to make them last, buddy, buddy. Before they've all gone past, buddy, buddy. Tune in to Buddy Cast. don't be nothing to make
1: everybody here on Buddy Cast.